Hey guys, it's Pete. Just wanted to let you know that my second book, Frankenstein's Soul's Echo, is now available. It continues the adventure from Frankenstein to Life Beyond, which is a direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic novel. Both Frankenstein Life Beyond and Frankenstein Soul's Echo are available as ebooks on Amazon, iBookstore, Barnes and Noble, Cabo, and of course from EnceladusLiterary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. I wish I could tell you what was going on, boys and girls, but I can't because I don't know and I don't really care. With your host, Pete... Ralph has some long underwear and a cape that makes him fly around in the sky. And Greg. He's right, we have to do this on our own. I like the way you think, kid. You're starting to think like me. And we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. We're going to ram a crooked stick into this hornet's nest and turn it till we can hear him sing. I don't know about you two, but I am starting to get very frightened. Now, why don't we just call one of your superiors and get some help? Oh, good. That's terrific, Counselor. What are you going to tell him? That we saw a spaceship? That it talked to us? He's the new super friend. It is Jammies. With Bill Maxwell. And Bam. <laughs> Hello, Bam. <laughs> Welcome to the Hall of Justice, Bam. The worst intro ever. <laughs> uh, don't be recording. Too late. <laughs> uh, it's the greatest American hero, isn't it? Uh, believe it or not, George isn't at home. Uh, oh, too late. Please leave a message at Ralphie's beep. I must be out, or he's oh, going after the up. President oh. Reagan. Where could this show be? Shooting a president. See something. Inkley. Inkley. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest American Hero, 1981 to 1983. It's comedy drama. We go relevant again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's comedy drama in the heyday of television. Oh, it had some quality 80s generic bad guys. Oh, it sure did. With the <laughs> what a, the all I can hear is the Dukes of Hazard bad guys music kick in. That's the standard. Oh well, I I just know there would be some like rock and guitar riffs going. Oh, but of course, <laughs> why wouldn't there be? <laughs> <clears throat> what do you know about Greatest American Hero? Man, what don't I know? Well, first of all, did you uh, did you watch the show back in the day when it was originally on, or was this something that you came to later? Or because we actually watched it, I, I can remember making a point to watch the show when we were kids. Oh, by God, up, absolutely! It was actually on the air. Oh yeah. Okay, well, so we this were is, both first run people with this show. This is pre VCR, kids. <laughs> so abso yeah. absolutely, yes. This was in the heyday of my love of the Superman. So it was just right up that alley. So absolutely, yeah. I had a 
I had a Greatest American Hero t-shirt that I think I wore out. Like, it just, it crumbled off my back by the time <laughs> I was, like, nine. It was just worn out and just disintegrated. Uh, Ralphie, those jammies just don't hold up the way they used to. Uh. <laughs> I got to get me a new one. It was just fantastic. It had the symbol. It was white shirt. It was like a white baseball raglan shirt with the red sleeves. And it was, oh, that was sweet. I believe, um... Santa made the rest of us jealous because my oldest sister asked for the uh, music from the greatest American hero and got it on one of those, like, what, 45s? Is that the smaller size records? Yeah, 77 yeah. or something was the big one or something. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we would uh, we'd go roller skating, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, down there in the basement. Wait, okay, so she got an album of the music. Meaning, what else was there besides believe it or not? I think that's pretty much all that needed to be produced. <laughs> was it the Spanish version on the flip side? It was anything more than that. Yeah. Was it the Spanish or the there was something French on the version? B side of that? I don't remember what. It may or may not have had anything to do with. The was <laughs> was it the uh, was it the equivalent of the Smokey and the Bandit soundtrack where Eastbound and Down was really popular, but people forget that Jerry Reed also recorded Westbound and Down. <laughs> 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 was it? Oh gosh, I certainly hope so. Believe it or not, I can wear my pants, and I, it was just, it was the uh, the bad version. <laughs> just put it well, on the side. What else can we stick on the back of this? Well, there's this rejected version. Print it. <laughs> <laughs> we we got to. Nobody listens to the B sides on these things. We'll make the money all the same. Print it. <laughs> well, the I think. Before we go into the show and whatever else, I think uh, this represents the heyday of someone that just does not get enough attention <laughs> in the modern world. And I'm being serious. There's somebody okay. who just doesn't get the attention that he deserves. And when so, people our age and older think back and like, what was the main imprint on our childhood? And I think if you watch television at all, Mike Post is the soundtrack of our lives because that guy did the theme song. Oh, he did to everything. Everything. <laughs> His list is insane. Well, get, lay some on us here. What what can we credit the man for? Well, hold on. I'll pull him uh, up. I mean, Mike Post did. I mean, his most famous ones are like Law and Order and The A Team and NYPD Blue. And the Rockford Files, and L.A. Law, and Quantum Leap, and Magnum P.I., and Hill Street Blues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Andy Williams Show. Uh, Andy Williams! <laughs> greatest American Hero, of course, he did the song for. Um, other TV, I mean, it's just insane. Here, I'll, I, this is great quality radio here, but the A-Team. Blossom, Chips, Doogie Hauser, Greatest American Hero, Hardcastle and McCormick, Hunter, Magnum P.I., News Radio, Quantum Leap, Renegade, Riptide, Silk Stockings, Ten oh, Speed cool and Brown off, Shoe. <laughs> <laughs> he did do Ten Speed and Brown Shoe, so we do know he's oh, a well. wise guy, <laughs> law and order. I, I, that's just that's just crazy talk. It's just that, like, well, another another day, another dollar. Let's just come up with another iconic theme song for this show. That it, yeah, that's just crazy to think that this guy 
is the true uh, forget John Williams. This guy is the true soundtrack to our lives. <laughs> he is the uh, he should have been the one brought back for Star Wars, not John Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Where's John Williams? Forget it. We have Mike Post. Well, we got Mike Post. We're good. He threw in some saxophone and synthesizer to create the new score. It's fantastic. <laughs> but on to Ralphie and his crew. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I thought you were gonna like pull out the William Cott card there when you started going into your <laughs> a man who deserves. <laughs> well, Bill Cott does require a lot of. Uh... No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't at all. No, no. He was in uh, Carrie and, and apparently yes. a bunch of really bad Skinamax movies. Is all I'm aware that he was ever in. Well, he was in Carrie. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was his big start. And then he uh, famously was one of the last roundup for Luke Skywalker during those auditions because they were auditioning Carrie and Star Wars at the same place. So, (laughs) Well, you can be in this space adventure or this horror film. Pick one, kid. Sure. (laughs) So what do you remember about the show? Okay. Um, Go, Stuart, what is your memory? (laughs) Without looking at anything, what is your memory? All right, just based solely on memory, uh, Ralph is a school teacher who's kind of got the sweat hogs um, and is always, like, meeting well and always really concerned about the kids. Uh, He was engaged to Connie Selica, and this is the only thing I can, other than her being married to John Teshi, that I can associate her with. Uh, And... I don't remember how Bill Maxwell, uh, the Robert Culp character, gets involved with him exactly. I think they're both in the same place out in the desert when aliens show up and give him this suit, which is all well and good because the suit's got all these powers and whatnot. And for whatever reason, he loses the instruction booklet And so they're kind of perpetually figuring some of this stuff out on the fly. And um, he's not really good in a lot of ways at being a superhero uh, because he doesn't have the instructions. And so he has a lot of very painful landings and uh, goofy things happen to him uh, in the middle of trying to deal with situations because he doesn't really, at the end of the day, have any control over the suit. Um, I remember a couple of the episodes without looking anything up about them. There was one involving a space shuttle disaster, and there was another one involving them, like, going into this house where this, like, lady possessed Bill Maxwell, her spirit possessed Bill Maxwell, and they were going to rip the house down. Um, uh, I remember him eating dog biscuits all the time and that being a thing. What is it with the superheroes in the capes eating dog food? Who knows? 1983 means your superhero is going to eat dog food. Somebody's eating some dog food. (laughs) That's all that means. (laughs) Superman 3, Superman eats dog food. food. (laughs) We've reached the nadir of awful. (laughs) I guess we know what went off the air. (laughs) Yeah, but um, it it was a show that uh, really, I I think, um, and actually going and reading up on this a little bit before we sat down to record, uh, it went in directions that they didn't originally intend it to go. I guess the original concept for this was to be a little bit more adult 
And the people who originally signed off on producing this show at, I think it was ABC, um, were replaced. And the new people who came in were like, well, let's kidify this and make this more Superman-esque to the point where I guess the uh, Warner Brothers or DC or somebody uh, sued them um, in a lawsuit that eventually got thrown out because some of the powers, I guess, were too close to home or something like that. But, um, yeah, it was it was always just one of those shows that was there and I had good memories of in childhood. And you go back and you watch some of the stuff now and you kind of can still see why, you know, you, when you were this young, would have been like, this is awesome. And you also kind of go back and go, this is kind of painful at the same time. <laughs> It's that's the descriptor of all early '80s hour-long television. Is oh, that's painful. Oh, oh God, what, what? Why are they doing this? Why are they? Why are you talking that way? There really is no. I mean, think this era. Think about 1979 to about 1985. Was there anything hour-long that you could go and watch now and say that's not crap? <laughs> Even like the good stuff, like Hill Street Blues or St. Elsewhere, I've not seen in a long time, so I couldn't really say, but... I think my... just the storytelling style and the reason for th things happening were always just so like, eh, then this happens and why not? <laughs> exactly, and I think that's why we're here, because this is the one property that seems to stand out as far as nothing's been done uh, with well, this property. That's apparently true and false at the same time. Um, according to good old Wikipedia, Fox, back in 2014, was exploring doing some kind of a reboot of this series. Well, exploring, but still nothing seen the light of day. No, nothing has seen the light of day. For all we know, they filmed something and it didn't measure up. Apparently, I'd, I'd never heard that this had happened because I guess it never really went to air. They did try at one point, I think still in the 80s, to do a great, greatest American heroine. I vaguely remember that. And I guess they slapped this would-be pilot onto one of the uh, disc sets or something like that. Back That's probably why I saw first. it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just like... Really? They tried that? <laughs> it's just, it's the problem we come back to over and over and over and over again, is that not until you got to the mid-90s did the soap opera storytelling model transfer over to all the rest of television. So you got stuck in this, here's our premise, and now here's our beats that we do every week, and let's do them every week. <laughs> Here's the adventure of the week. It's yeah, the you can, like set your watch by. All right, it's the Lou two. Who's gonna hold? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Here comes Lou Frigno <laughs> twice an episode, and then here goes Bill Bixby walking with a backpack with sad music down the road. The uh, end. Next and next week, the exact same thing. Hello, Doctor Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that was all that that uh, that was the problem with this show, which again I loved as a kid, but God help me, I. Couldn't remember any of it when I watched it a couple years ago on DVD. I I remembered hardly any of the story. I didn't remember what the hell he did for a living. I just remembered, like I've often said on this show, a lot of my very early childhood memories are really just kind of single images mm -hmm. that 
are self-contained, <laughs> so to speak. And when I thought of great, or I still do. When I think, like I said it when Star Wars, when we were talking about that, and how I said when I was a kid, it wasn't until high school I really knew what Star Wars was. And I said that if you said to me, think of Star Wars from when you were an actual kid, I would have thought Luke and Leia swinging over the canyon in the first Star Wars. That was the image that was in my head and nothing else. Well, Greatest American Hero, I just yeah, have... What do you got? <laughs> the only image in my head, and it's nothing funny or great, it's just the only one that was there, was Robert Culp doing his Robert Culp face when they're out in the... <laughs> they're out of the... You're suffering from Robert Culp face. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess, Ralphie. So, just looking kind of grinning intensely. That's right. He has the teeth. He has the George Harrison teeth and the George Hamilton tan. <laughs> But he I, he was out ne- standing next to his car and and watching Ralph get dressed and in the suit or something, and that's like the only image I had as a memory. And and Bill Maxwell and he was wearing his tan members only jacket or something. Yeah, he was wearing that or he's wearing his uh, Reagan Reagan era suit. suit. Yep. yep. Oh God. But. <laughs> Oh, speaking of Reagan, we get that out of the way here real quick with the trivia on this show. Outside of its theme song, what's this show most known for? Um, an unfortunate naming coincidence, I <laughs> yeah. believe. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, we got a first season, and we're going to name our guy Hankley, and that name is going to be used by a douchebag to shoot Reagan in the head. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so for... What, like three episodes in, or maybe not even that many, he was Ralph Hinckley. And then... Um, he was Henley. Well, we <laughs> we should change this, given what happened. And so for the back half of the first season, which is only nine episodes long... Yeah. Um, yeah, he became a totally different character in the sense that he had a new last name because of all of this. Which was, what, Hanley, you said? Yeah. Yeah, and then... Apparently, at the beginning of season two, they went, that's eh, all good. <laughs> went back to Hinkley. So, it's like, well, just one or the other, guys. It's okay. Would have been, it would have been better if they said, we can't name this guy Hinkley. Name him Oswald. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Hink- what? Hinkley Oswald. What's his middle name? Booth. Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I got it. Let's call him Hinkley Bin Laden. No one will ever know that. <laughs> That's a name so goofy, no one will ever come up with <laughs> no that. No one will ever come up with that. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> we'll name him George W. Hankley. So that is the trivia that outside of the song, that's probably what this show is most known for. Is It shares a name with a potential presidential assassin. For there's your history lesson for the day, kids. <laughs> now back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I learned something today. This show suffers from, yes, the... Linda Carter's going to turn around three times and turn into Wonder Woman twice an episode. So this show was Ralph's going to get in his costume and do the Christopher Reeve flying rig facing the camera in front of a green screen or a blue screen, a rear projection, and do the crazy, I'm falling, and then some stunt guy they're going to cut to throwing into some wall of balsa wood and... 
then William Cott's going to stand up from the pile of balsa wood and go hold a bumper of a car and such. So it was the same thing every week, and that's why all these early 80s shows are so easy to translate to modern day because all you have to do is take the modern day storytelling of consequences to your actions. <laughs> well, and apparently they originally set out to have more of a show where it wasn't a, a um, this week Ralph saves so-and-so for, uh, you know, the Mad Libs writing. <laughs> this week there's this kind of bad guy doing this kind of crime and Ralph discovers this power. <laughs> And Bill creates this problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, but from my recollection of the show, the thing you could very easily make now is have him learn how to use the suit. Well, apparently they had two go-arounds with him getting instruction booklets from these aliens and um, well, lost them both times. I guess one of them he shrank. Yeah, but... And the book didn't rematerialize with him to the right size and that's how that one got lost and for some reason these aliens even though they've mastered the art of intergalactic travel um can't make more than a couple copies of the <laughs> book so they're like well we're out and you'll just have to figure it out or we'll take the suit away which i guess uh they had already tried to give humans the suit and they got greedy and didn't use it correctly and everything. And so there was always this uh, kind of threat from above, so to speak, which is where the heroine character came from when they tried to reboot it. That if they didn't use the suit wisely or correctly to help people or man or whatever, um, that this greater power was going to swoop in and take the suit away. That's why you do a serialized Buffy-like thing where you start off, he loses the instruction book, and then the run of the show is him learning to use his powers. Well, and I think you would have, um, from my memory of it, you would have periods where he would do better with some of the stuff than others. He never really masters the flying, but I think that was more just for comedic purposes. Exactly. Because it was, oh, we need our Lou Ferrigno twice a week. We need right. our William Cott going, <laughs> and then crashing, and then Bill Maxwell running over, and Connie Selica. Ralph! So, I think part of the hook, too, was all of them just kind of learning the ins and outs of what he could actually do with this thing. And that was supposed to be a hook that kept people coming back each week. Cause it's like, well, what's going to happen this time, but this telekinesis, that's crazy. This premise is ripe for somebody like Joss Whedon to get back into television and make a show off of the greatest American hero with the same premise, but making it in the serialized version of Buffy, where he learns to use his powers, expand the world beyond Robert Culp and Connie Selica, <laughs> and create something larger involved with the suit, Get have him get better as the seasons go on, and then have different struggles come in and consequences to his actions. And maybe he has a season where... He can't even take the suit off. Like, it melds to his body, and he can't even take it off. And It, it venoms him? <laughs> yeah. And so you actually have consequences and changes 
it's just such an easy premise that I'm just flabbergasted that it has not been done so far. Because it seems to me like it's right there. Let's build this sucker from the ground up then. What do we keep and what do we leave behind out of the basic tenets of the show that existed? Uh, Is it set in modern day or do we set it back in the era it was set in? No, you do. It's very easy. It's modern day. There's nothing holding it to that time. You just do a modern day update retelling of it. Keep it a little bit light. Don't turn it into a dark ground whatever unnecessary NBC's The Cape or whatever. We, we, that, don't, want, we don't want a overly angsty Ralph. Is that what you're saying? I mean, he can get there if he wants to, but uh, I, I just think you, you keep the very basic premise of he gets the suit, loses the instructions, has to learn how to use it, and the cast of characters that surround him. And, I, I, and you just go from there and... I hate to say it because this is such a cop out, but it writes itself because <laughs> I couldn't even it teaches you why you learn. Yeah, I just I can't think of any one thing because I have a million different things that come up, which is a good sign. If you got a writer's room in Hollywood together and gave them that premise, I, you'd have five seasons easily of gold that you, you could work out. You know, how he deals with the suit and do the aliens come back and was the suit intended for someone to use for nefarious purposes and he's using it for good. And that's why it never balances out for him and never works right because he's always trying to use it for good and it's meant for evil. Possibly. Well, okay. Um and t- so one time original, he sleeps with Angel. The plan Wait, was but... that as a series emphasizing real-life problems was the original concept of it, and all the powers are in the suit. It's not about so much the person wearing the suit. They're not really wholly extraordinary is the way that I guess they originally envisioned this, and Ralph would try to solve ordinary-type problems such as stopping corruption or an assassination attempt and da 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 and, and the modern day these new network executives came in and wanted it to be more like a children's show than an adult show and they pushed for the types of shows that involve Ralph trying to stop some calamity before it happening and um well that's easy that's because they said we can sell merchandise on this Merchandising, merchandising. To fools like me who wear the same shirt for like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, I hate to say simple, but it just seems of all the shows to go back in that era to try and modernize that they've done a, a movie of the A-Team and they've done Charlie's Angels and it, it fairly well, but... This one just seems so ripe, especially now, middle of the comic book culture. How the hell is Greatest American Hero <laughs> not on someone's slate right now? That's in, unless there's some sort of lawsuit out there. But I think uh, I think it should be free and clear. The only lawsuit that was mentioned was dismissed. But I think it, and the best part is that whoever you cast has to have a gut. Because if it's normal dude, he just has to be a normal dude. Looks like me. Weighs like 500 pounds and just accidentally gets the suit. And so the suit does all the heavy lifting, really. That would be fantastic. We just we just turn uh, 
Ralphie and uh, Buddy from Seinfeld. So some alien just came down and gave you a magic suit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So you're just going to be a superhero now? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, superhero. Yeah. It's good. Well, he was. He was the tick. He was the live-action tick. Yeah. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he can do more than one thing. Well, believe it or not, he can. Oh, you see <laughs> oh, what I did there? <laughs> oh, he's not so walking around in his jammies. We're in for some entertainment tonight. Oh, John Tash, uh, Connie Selica, uh, huh? That was a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Ralphie. Well, what? Um, but what, definitely not a You talked not a about movie. expanding the world beyond just Pam and Bill. Um Let's let's talk about what potentially worked or didn't work as far as some of the character relationships went on the show. Uh, obviously, the banter between the hardcore Reaganite era Bill Maxwell and more of the liberal Ralph Hinckley. I mean, that was supposed to be part of the um, dynamic of having the different points of view and all that kind of stuff. Do you think that kind of a pairing would still work? Would you think that you would want to tone down some of that? I think it would work. And honestly, as, as you said, that characterization, it made me think of Chuck, Mm. like the dynamic in Chuck is almost identical. As I think about it out loud, I'm thinking Adam Baldwin character. Yeah. I'm thinking Chuck got the thing in his head so he's now the normal guy who's a hero, gets the hot chick to help out, and then he's got the stoic, conservative, you know, Adam Baldwin dude to help him. And right. that's kind of the dynamic there. So it's already been done, I guess, in modern. But at le- and at least they actually, you know, dismissed the early 80s of uh, how well they handled the female character, who was basically, oh, Ralph... We need to get married, and I understand you're going through some hard times, but here's what I'm doing. Here's some pie. (laughs) I mean, really, stop eating the dog biscuits. (laughs) Yes, it really was. It was that bad. She was just there to support. Be in maybe maybe five minutes of an episode. Yeah, and she had things to do, and and it was amazing considering that just a few years earlier they had the. The ballsy Lois Lane, Margot Kidder portrayal, and then Aliens had already happened with Sigourney Weaver, and then all of a sudden you have this just severe regression with the Pam <laughs> character where it's just, oh, Ralph, you're crazy. I'm in trouble, Ralph. It was olive oil. It was oh, <laughs> Yeah, in some episodes, I'd, I'd say that's fair. Uh, would, you, would you keep his... Uh... <laughs> Hey, Mr. Hinckley, gang of students, or... It was so... Un- the few episodes I did watch a couple of years ago on the DVD, that was the most unnecessary and worthless <laughs> part, was carting around his students. It's like trying to give some sort of welcome back Cotter mix in there. Yeah, and it was a very strange tone that you would get into with some of those episodes, and we'd spend an awful lot of time just following these people and making these speeches about believing how do I reach these kids <laughs> kind of thing. And yeah, it, it just, it really could put a, put the brakes on certain episodes. Cause you're like, 
you know, on a very special episode of The Greatest American Hero. Yeah, you just make chalk, or here I go into chalk now, <laughs> Jesus, because <laughs> uh, it is fairly similar. Um, no, you just make Ralph, uh, fucking, he works as an insurance adjuster <laughs> with, with, with Pam. No, and you could, if you wanted to, you could be involved in some kind of like, I don't know, he's a coach of a team or something like that. Some kind of extracurricular if you wanted to bring the kid factor back into it. Maybe maybe that's some of those changes that they mentioned with the executive switchover. Maybe originally there wasn't going to be all this emphasis put on his relationship with the students and everything, but it's there. And as long as Ralphie starts the first episode with William Cott's perm from 1981, <laughs> like a nod can like be, he's wearing it. This. <laughs> he's wearing it. Like the, the season premiere will be around he's Halloween. A cigar with a <laughs> shit-eating grin on his face. That's, that's the opening shot of the pilot episode because it, it'll air around Halloween is we pull out on Ralph Hinckley, who's got a big, blonde, curly afro, and he's wearing, like, a tight red shirt or something. And then when we pull back, it's his Halloween costume, and he pulls off the wig, and he's like, oh, that's terrible. Now, do you like the whole, the aliens give him this suit kind yeah. of thing? Do Is that an element that you would keep, or would you change that up and just make the origins of the thing more open-ended, or... Do you like the idea of some higher power being able to influence their choices that they make? Or where do you come down on that aspect of things? I mean, from there, you really open it up. You can do one of two things. You can either follow that to the letter or you can leave that be one of the larger mysteries of the show as you progress. Because that's what everything is now is... There's a suit that suddenly appears, and what the hell is this? How does this work? And then slowly but surely, I think this came from aliens. Ah, Ralphie, you're just crazy. And then, like, (laughs) season three, the aliens show up, and I told you, and then there's something deeper behind it. I mean, that could be either the longer game mystery of the thing, or you just... It, all the TV talk in my head always comes down to the Joss Whedon method or the J.J. Abrams method. You have the J.J. Abrams method, which is there's a grand mystery that we're going to start peeling back the onion starting with day one. And then Joss Whedon's method is more, here's the details and backstory. Now let's spin it off and see what happens. And... I don't know which one would work better here, whether or not you just start with, again, using the Buffy example versus Lost. That's the Joss versus JJ. You have the Buffy example, which is Buffy, you're a slayer, thousands of years. There's been slayers all the time. You're the only one. Here's the rules. Now let's go. Versus Lost, which is it's a mystery and be in for the ride to figure out the mystery slowly but surely. So one way or the other, those are really the only two ways you can go. I almost like, as you were talking, I was thinking about it. I almost like the idea of somebody just kind of like, if if you followed that the suit binds with you more and more over time idea or something like that, that somebody like just randomly touches him on the street or something like that, and it's he starts to get some of these powers and some of these changes and everything. And the other person 
I don't know, was either injured or wasn't living up to what they were supposed to be doing or something like that. And, um, you know, if they lived, they wouldn't have any memory of what they had done. And, um, or so what wouldn't if, have somebody that you could go to with easy answers for any of this stuff. It was just like instinctual. It's like I had, I had to, uh, you know, kind of reach out to you in that moment or something like that. And, um, that might be kind of fun, a, a different way of doing it. And if you wanted then later to bring in the whole alien thing, you could. Or what if the suit continues to be harder and harder to get off? And as we get further along in the seasons, when he has the suit on, it start, it suddenly becomes like a repulsor to anyone around him. So he starts getting isolated by being in the suit and it gets harder and harder to actually physically take the suit off. And anybody who's getting near him, as he's getting stronger, people around him are being affected. Uh, you know, like getting cancer or or just physically debilitated or mentally going insane or, or whatever. And then he has to go off and that could be like in a whole arc of a season as he ha- him having to figure out that problem. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that would be a different take on it. So you can start out comedic and then get a little bit dark while you still have some, again, follow the Buffy model. (laughs) Suddenly he's getting way too powerful and he can't take the suit off. And then at some points he's like, oh, I don't want to take the suit off. Look at how good I'm doing. And then, well, Ralph, you got to take the suit off. I, I can't. It's very tight. It's like Willow's magic addiction problem. Sure. So I can't get rid of this suit. I look so good. No, don't make me get rid of this suit. It has footies. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the biggest draw for all the kids because we were all wearing the, the pajamas that had the footies. Well, there you go. Yeah. The, with the those plastic feet. Who had the idea to put plastic <laughs> feet? You know how raw my feet, bottom of my feet got in like athlete's foot because of crackling plastic footies. <laughs> Whose idea was this, folks? Come on. Kids, when we were young, we had a whole one-piece pajama thing <laughs> that had feet. <laughs> you make it sound like we grew up in the 1930s with like the long underwear stuff. <laughs> no, because I'm sure I had Dukes of Hazard or something on mine, but it was the same premise. It was it was footies and that was just crazy. But uh, back to Ralphie and his craziness. <laughs> Believe it or not, he will get the suit off on it. Well, air. would you want uh, would you want other powered humans showing up in the show is it a premise that works best with just focusing more on kind of him like how what other parameters would you think would be important to establish out the gate oh, that is very interesting i mean i wonder did the sh- I, i'm assuming the show didn't really do anything he was just the only powerful one so yeah he, again he ran into some people who used to have the suit before it got taken away from them okay um cuz they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing per the will of the aliens who gave the suit out but uh i other than like that supernatural lady in the house or um 
I don't know, on occasion you'd get people who ran into extraordinary circumstances. And like, I think uh, that space shuttle episode that I mentioned, like the shuttle had been co-opted by some creature from space that he ended up having to fight or something like that. So they would work in things of that nature, but there wasn't like he had a, the evil leaper or um, something like that have like a nemesis. It was just situations would arise and more the often than not, it was just again, kind of generic eighties, bad guys who he'd be fighting in tandem with some investigation that Bill Maxwell was doing for the FBI. So um, most of it was pretty, pretty grounded. And what we do during the production of the show is every episode, since there's enough shows to go to, to fill probably about 100 episodes, each episode will have a different Mike Post Easter egg from another show. <laughs> so Ralph will fly off and some woman will suddenly turn blue and then Scott Bakula will be there and go, oh, boy. <laughs> 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 or Ralphie will walk by a police station and the chief will go, be careful out there. And the first time, Ralphie lost the suit too, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh. And the show is not called Greatest American Hero. The show is called 80s. <laughs> Every television show in the 80s is all in one universe. Just mix it into the hopper. <laughs> You just keep having, like, rogue cop pairings show up. <laughs> Hardcastle and McCormick, what Kate the fuck? and Lacey fuck? with Hunter and McCall, what the hell? <laughs> you can't shoot your way out of this. We need MacGyver. <laughs> oh, God, here comes Cop Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Screw it. We're in Boston. Let's go to a bar. <laughs> All 80s television is in one universe called 80s. <laughs> Welcome to the Cafe 80s. Oh, God. <laughs> A guy named Griff, just say no. Uh, so I think uh, Grace Making Hero needs to be redone. <laughs> <laughs> And Chicago won Best Picture. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, if they if they redo this, um, I think they should definitely play with the format a little bit more. I also think you might actually benefit from making the running time of the episodes a little bit shorter. Either that, this or... was originally like a sixty minute uh, show. Yeah, I mean it was an hour long, so forty five right. minutes. So yeah. So I think uh, getting a solid half an hour or something like that would be probably probably a little bit better. Yeah, and avoid the network curse since we continue to go further and further into the future with Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. And especially with the success of the Marvel series that are having on uh, on Netflix, something genre-based like this would work well in the 13-episode arc, yeah. one story told. Boom, you're done. Just no movie. That would be <laughs> unnecessary. Well, I can't say unnecessary because somebody could come up with something really good. I mean, you could shrink this down into just a self-contained gets the suit, loses how to use the suit, doesn't know how to use the suit, learns how to use the suit, becomes a hero, has to give up the suit, the end, becomes a good guy. Something like that. You could make a movie out of it, theoretically. 
but it it just like everything else, long form is better. I think. Whoa. Possibly. <laughs> Believe it or not. All right. Well, I'm gonna go get some uh, dog biscuits here, Ralphie. And Chicago won Best Picture of 2002. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. Bill's in a trance. A what? Well, he just all of a sudden drew a blank on me, and I can't seem to bring him back around. Well, he must have been put under last night at the show. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. Pam, thank you very much. You're a lifesaver. I'll talk to you later. Ralph, be careful. Huh? What are you, what are you talking? What are you doing over there? I'm over here. What do you got the suit on for? Okay, but... Ah!